Okay. Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from uh, Free Domain here with Mike Cernovich, cernovich.com, if I remember rightly. Uh, I'm the guy on the left, not the guy with the mm -hmm. great salt and pepper peak of the mountain hairdo going on there. Mike, very nice to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Always a pleasure. It's been a while. You know, we've been trying to you know, it's so weird. It's like the people you know the best you do the least stuff with. It's one of these like great contradictions, I think. And I, I don't yeah. know why that is. But it, it's sort of like your best friends are usually the lowest maintenance. So you, you don't talk to them for months. And you're like, wait a minute. Why am I talking to all these people who are just a cluster mess? And <laughs> like, why don't I just text my friends that I haven't talked to for a while? And it's kind of the same way with the media stuff. You spend so much time dealing with the lies and the, the smears and all that other stuff. And, and you're like, wait a minute, I, why don't I just collab with my friends more often? Well, it's funny, you know, I will actually say that this has helped a lot of my relationships mm -hmm. uh, because it's sort of, as you say, it sort of reminds you of, you know, of people I haven't talked to for a while. I'm like, you know, uh, going to check in with them, you know, see how they're doing. There is, there are odd upsides to all of these downsides and it's easy to kind of forget that and simply look at the doom and gloom. But, there are some real benefits in terms of having perspective and remembering what's important and reconnecting in relationships and reminding yourself not to take uh, useless garbage and make it too important. So, yeah, this you try and get as much positive stuff as you can out of all of this. And uh, there is stuff to be found. There really is stuff to be found. Yeah, I mean, on that, I mean, for me, in terms of how I'm doing, you know, I'm fine in terms of how the country is doing, the world's doing. I've lost a lot of sleep over that, gotten up more than a few times, just like just stressed out because knowing that other people are going to suffer. For me, though, you know, what, what's, what's the big deal? Like, I don't believe we're going to have millions of people dying. Um, I never believed we were going to have millions of people dying. I thought it was going to be hundreds of thousands. And now they're saying hundreds of thousands, which really means it's probably going to be tens of thousands, which isn't a good thing. But... It's quite different from, you know, from what we were told and what potentially could have happened. I don't like what is sometimes necessary for people to lose their faith in experts. But mm -hmm. I also do believe that anything that helps people lose their faith, uh, faith in experts is not a bad thing. Because, boy, do we ever try and keep that, uh, that worship. It's like the new religion of the new experts with the spreadsheets and the graphs. And it all seems so credible. And you've got estimates being cut by 10 times, five times, and you know, people freaking out and finding out that uh, it's not even a close flyby when it comes to how disastrous it was supposed to be. Yeah, there's the lack of modeling. The um, I think is so for whatever reason, I don't know why this is, probably because people aren't learned, but you're like, oh, there was a model. And then you, you, you substitute that model for reality. But that's like saying if somebody gives you a good map, the map is based on the terrain. If the terrain and the map don't match, then you don't say you're looking at the wrong terrain, right? Imagine you're holding a map up and the map says you're about to walk into a large body of water and you're going, no, there's a tree in front of me. Well, you're wrong. The map says there's a body of water. You're, you're like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. But that's where we are with modeling. They're like, well – you know, months ago, they said right now there'd be hundreds of thousands of people dead if we didn't do all this stuff. Well, we didn't do all this stuff, right? I'm so New York didn't social distance until recently. Florida, now there's a lockdown order. They didn't social distance. I went to CPAC. I was exposed to God knows how many people with coronavirus. And we're, we have to adjust the model. 
maybe coronavirus is not as contagious as we thought, or maybe it's not as fatal as we thought, or maybe something else we don't know. But I'm seeing a lot of people going, well, the model says this. Well, the model is just based on inputs. What people are people are saying, people are saying it's a 40% for infection rate or 70% infection rate, and the fatality rate is 1.5%. So then you just run the numbers and like, well, okay, but we're not, the numbers not like that aren't happening. Well, that proves social distancing worked, but we weren't doing social distancing. So what what's actually going on here? And it's in real time, we're watching this play out. Well, it is also to me kind of predictable, but very revealing that, of course, the media is like, well, to try and do anything about coronavirus is racist, it's xenophobic, it's crazy, it's premature, it's paranoid. And then, of course, by trying to hold back the activities that could have been very helpful. Now, of course, they're saying, hey, man, why didn't you just react earlier when we were calling you racist for even thinking about it? Dude, there was an article you can't make. There's so many things you can't make up. Um, one was there was an article published January 30th, and it was Strat News or something. I'll see if I can find it so we can read it. Because I think we're streaming, so we're just kind of low-key, right? We yeah, yeah. kind of pull stuff up as we talk. Easy, yeah, easy. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, so there was a, yeah, a Stat News. And here we go. January 31st. And the article says, I'm going to post it into the chat here. I'm, I'm on the Google, the Google chat and I'll, I'll post it here with you. And, you know, I'm pulling this up. Health experts born trying to China travel ban will hinder coronavirus response. This is January 31st. Beyond Capitol Hill, Mike Cernovich, a prominent conspiracy theorist and early Trump supporter, had agitated on Twitter for a Chinese travel van. And the whole point of this article is, you know, look at this kook Cernovich. How dare he say we have a travel ban with China? And this is January 31st. I'm being attacked, smeared, as always. Uh, I think Gosar was um, smeared also in this article. Yeah, Paul, Paul Gosar was. And then now the narrative immediately shifts from, oh, why didn't we do more sooner? Oh, because everybody's terrified that you're going to call him a racist, xenophobic, smear him you know, add them to some kind of target list or whatever. And you can just see that in real time. And that was the narrative. And by the way, the, I think the date too, January 31st is interesting because January 31st, I was talking about a travel ban. Gosar was talking about a travel ban. And you know what the house was doing? They were a couple of days away from impeachment managers, marching the articles of impeachment to the Senate where the Senate was going to conduct a trial of impeachment. So while people like us are being smeared for saying, hey, let's pay attention to this. The Congress was focused on trying to get the orange man bad. And now they're saying the same people who want to get the orange man bad are now saying, I can't believe people didn't take this. Seriously. It's like it's like the media has just become this completely psycho ex-girlfriend that you can't do anything right with or some woman you're seeing Norman Mailer style across in a divorce court. Talk a little bit about something you've been talking about lately, the Kafka trap, because I think everyone's feeling caught in that now, because before it was people like you and I who took the major shotgun blast to the reputation from the media. But now that the media lies and obfuscations are actually costing the lives that people know about. They, they know someone who knows someone or maybe their aunt or their uncle or something. Now they're like, wow, you know what? The, the media is actually really, really dangerous. Now for us, it's been like, for me, it's been like, I don't know, 14 years of dealing with this stuff. I think it's kind of erupting into people's minds now that the media ain't just, you know, putting the, the, the hurt on you and I. They're like really doing harm to the planet as a whole. 
Yeah, so a Kafka trap, because what, what we try to do, and we do this in Hoax the Movie, which uh, hopefully everybody in the chat has watched Hoax the Movie. It's charted really high, actually. It hit the top three in all documentaries on iTunes. And if we had released it and not been cheated by our first distributor, we would have hit number one in everything. So Hoaxed is like bittersweet. Like I'm really happy and thank you for your support. I'm really happy it like charted and it hit well and it's doing great. But knowing how well it's doing now, I'm like, oh my God, if only, if only, you know. So it's a bittersweet moment. But the reason I bring up Hoax isn't just to shamelessly plug the film, but because we we try to talk about the concepts and they do this in philosophy too, concepts that you can apply to all kinds of situations. And one of these concepts with the media is called the Kafka trap. And a Kafka trap goes a little bit something like this. Stefan Molyneux hates women. And you're like, hey, no, I don't, man. I don't hate women. Why are you obsessed with hating women? And you're like, no, no, no. Call, you, you're, you brought this out on me. What, what are you talking about? So what they do is the Kafka trap is when they give, they make an accusation against you. And then they use your defense of yourself against their accusation as proof that you must be guilty because, hey, why would you care so much um, if it really didn't matter? And we're, we're seeing this now uh, play out to everyone else. Like, why? Oh, Trump. Trump talked about ratings. Oh, he only cares about ratings. No, Trump was actually quoting an article in the New York Times about how his press conferences are getting ratings equal to Monday Night Football. And because the ratings were so good, the media wanted to pull the shows. So Trump is literally responding to an article in New York Times, but the media uses his response to an article that they wrote as proof that that's what he cares about. And you see this now, it happens across field. People like you, uh, any kind of public figure, Trump, and uh, again, people are sort of, you know, people are getting over it. Now, China, boy, uh, how, I mean, I think they're going to get away with it. I, I genuinely think that the cover-up is going to start happening. And, you know, what, whatever the origins of the virus, you know, to me, it's like, okay, I think it came from a lab. Uh, there's lots of evidence for that. They, they've, they've had quarantine issues. They've had, they've spilt SARS out twice before. I, I think it came from a lab. It's not hugely important where it comes from. The reaction, though, of the Chinese, you know, the, the government, right, to, to suppress everyone, to lie and say, oh, no, 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 it's not transmissible from human to human, to not let the World Health Organization in, to not close their airports, to downplay the risk and so on. Uh, boy, it, I really think they're going to, you know, you and I can't get away with a tweet that could be misinterpreted in some alternate universe. But the Chinese Communist Party, I think they're going to skate. Yeah, we're, we're learning. Um, we're reliving hoax, literally. We are one of the, and this was your your act, so to speak, in terms of, you know, not faking, but act as in for those who haven't made films who are listening. By act, I don't mean pretending. By act, I mean just a sequence in the film. And um, Stefan's was about the Holodomor and Walter Durante and how the media literally covered up um, what the Stalinist government was doing, what the communist government was doing, leading to millions and millions of people dying, maybe tens of millions, depending on, you know, what do you do you just blame the media for the Holodomor and Walter Durante or do you put all of the Stalin's death on them? But we're talking millions of tens of millions. And today we we are watching our same media, our beloved free press protected by the First Amendment, doing propaganda for the Chinese government, not asking 
wait, maybe the Chinese government's lying about coronavirus cases. Maybe the Chinese government, under cover of night, is executing political dissidents. Their crematoriums running overtime, right? The kind of things you would hear about the Holocaust, they're happening. We can watch them. And we're told to ignore the smoke from the crematoriums. Where there is smoke from the crematoriums, there is the fire of bodies. We are now being told to ignore it by our press because it's China. So we are watching. Somebody, I think it was Robert Barnes, if someone put it that way, where hoax was more of a prediction of the future, even though we didn't intend it to be that way. Because if you watch it, you go, my God, what Walter Durante won a Pulitzer Prize for lying about what Stalin was doing. The New York Times recently won a Pulitzer Prize for lying about Russiagate. The New York Times lied about how many people Stalin was murdering. And the New York Times is now lying about the Chinese government and coronavirus. It's astounding, right? So we didn't intend it to be of the future. We were trying to just explain the media, but I guess we hit at such a conceptual level that until there's systemic change, it will be a guidebook for the future. Well, that is a very strange thing. So there's these odd coincidences that have occurred both in your and your life and my life regarding these these films, right? So you put out Hoaxed, and yeah, like I was it, it, when when it was pulled from the internet, it was like I lost a, a chamber of my heart. So please, everyone, hoaxedmovie.com, go and watch this movie. You can even skip over all my parts, although you shouldn't, but you could. And and it's an amazing movie. But I was out, of course, as you know, with uh, John. Dutoit's in uh, Hong Kong, September of last year. We did post-production in September and October. And in it, of course, I'm talking about how dangerous the Chinese government is, how they have this whole structure of saving face where they can't admit fault, and how they um, uh, constantly work, work this propaganda war against everyone. And the, I called it the most dangerous totalitarian state uh, in the world. And yeah, this was like a couple of weeks before things started to come out. So there are these just very odd coincidences, you know, I know you're a simulation guy, but it's very odd coincidences where you say you almost couldn't have planned it better uh, or events couldn't have more unhappily confirmed your thesis. Yeah, it, it, it gives you, again, and, and that's the, the way we went there, was we, it gives you not just an explanation of what had happened, but a guidebook. This is the way the rules are. This is the way it works. This is why it works the way it works. And then you see it happen over and over and over again in every kind of endeavor. Like the Kafka trap, for example, if I explained Kafka trap five times past events, people would now say, oh, this is, they do this all the time. This is how they, this is how they go after people. Defending yourself is proof of your guilt. And that is, of course, some Stalinistic stuff. And now, of course, we're seeing Animal Farm. With Bill de Blasio going to the gym, telling everyone else social distance. Then they find him at another park out hiking. And they're like, well, why are you going out in public? He's like, well, you know, I'm the mayor. I got to keep fit. You know, basically, I'm better than you. I'm because I'm so important. I'm a more equal pig, Bill de Blasio. And we're, we're seeing all this come together. The authoritarianism, everything you would read about with Orwell coming true. People always pretend to have read 1984 when they haven't and they, you know they maybe they read the cliff notes but because the reason i know most people haven't read 1984 is everybody talks about the surveillance aspect but the real message the real lesson in 1984 is when they're torturing winston smith and they say what is two plus two and he's like i'll just say whatever you want it to be and they said no it isn't enough that you obey big brother 
Mm. You have to love Big Brother. Right. That's the real lesson. The real lesson is you have to believe the lies. It's not enough for you to repeat the lies. You have to believe them. That's the world we live in now, where if you cite just basic statistics, even in a positive way, Big Brother is coming for you. You know, because I've always, you know, in terms of gender, I've always said, you know, I think one of the the greatest harms um, in America is deadbeat dads. And then, of course, the MRAs come and go, oh, but what about single moms and everything? Because people are so binary that they can't understand that, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. So if you say that if you're a deadbeat dad, you're essentially subjecting your child, especially have a daughter to something like a 10 time greater risk of molestation because, and then of course it's because for whatever reason, there are some issues with single motherhood. But if you say, well, you know, if, if you look at the stats, single parenthood is associated with all these bad outcomes, like you hate women. And it's like, no, I'm just literally saying it. And by the way, here, here I am saying, don't be a deadbeat dad. So like, not only do I not hate women and I don't hate men when I say that, I'm just saying this is, this is a reality. But if you do that, they, they, you know, big brother comes for you. And then even if you try to tell the line a little bit, that's not enough. You have to love big brother. You have to love the lies. You can't just repeat them. You can't just be left alone if you repeat them. You have to, to bow down and love big brother. And we're, we're seeing that right now with coronavirus where any kind of dissent or even the idea that, hey, um, you know, I'm sure you can speak onto this too because you've studied these issues more in depth than I have. But there was a day where we all had to pretend that there was no connection between economic health and public health. Where, you know, wasn't that a fun day? Wasn't that a fun day where all of these people, I, one of these doctors, for example, said the only thing doctors care about is saving lives. And then I went back and read all of her old tweets. And she had written about how a, a bad economy is deadly. But we all that day had to pretend or else she would be outcast. We had to pretend that, hey, it's okay to crash the economy if that even saves one life. And we have to pretend that crashing the economy won't lead to other lives. And so we're seeing every day that we just have to live. We have to live by lies. Well, okay. So this is something that I view as a great capacity for people to just, I hate to sort of say grow up because it's kind of like a cliche, right? But my God, we've got to grow up. When you see, I think it was de Blasio tweeting out like, well, that we, we can't put a price on human life. It's like, no, 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 we do that all the time. We do that all the time. And one of the things that drives me crazy, Mike, is that people imagine that there are always easy solutions to these kinds of problems. Yeah, okay, so social distancing is going to reduce the spread of the virus, but social distancing is also going to reduce the capacity of the economy to power the healthcare system, the lights, the power, like the power as a whole. And at some point, we're going to have to weigh in the balance. We're going to say, okay, well, we got to get back to work. And that means the virus is going to spread and more people are going to die. And people almost feel like they're in a horror movie when actual, real, difficult choices emerge within society. Like we've just got some magic wand that can make all the tough choices disappear. Maybe that's been money printing. Maybe that's been debt. Maybe that's been the media pandering to everyone. But there's really tough decisions ahead. And there's going to be winners and losers in those decisions. And I don't know, there, there really aren't any solutions in this kind of situation. There's just a balance of costs and benefits. And people get kind of offended by that basic reality. Like if you say, well, we got to go back to work and therefore the, the, the pandemic is going to spread and people are going to die. 
suddenly you want people to die? It's like, no, 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 I don't want people to die. I didn't make this damn virus. I didn't fly it all over the damn world. I didn't refuse to close the borders. Now we're in the situation. There is no golden road that's cost-free. Yeah, child, childish is a great word because I've been seeing a lot of what I call childish behavior. If we only save one life and we shut down the economy, it's worth it. That's the kind of thing a child would say. Yeah. And then you sit the child down and you go, well, no, actually, there's something called trade-offs. There's countervailing factors. There's people who are going to die because of poor hygiene and people have already committed suicide. There was one county in Kentucky or, not, or Tennessee, rather, I think, 12 people, they lost their suicides in one day. They never they never see numbers like that. So you're just telling people, no, no, like you are, people are going to commit suicide. People are going to die. Children are going to grow up poor. That's, that leads to all kinds of health outcomes that are long-term. So you are literally your child when you talk like that. But we have adults with MDs and PhDs and JDs and various other letters after their names telling us that we should go into another depression to save one life. But then when you ask them, well, how many lives will that cost? They go, how dare you? You only care about the economy. Oh, yeah. No, that is uh, these false dichotomies, hopefully, hopefully. And I, I think it just comes. I don't think people are innately this way. I think they're just kind of trained this way. You know, like that. there's no complexity. This is all good and all bad. Like all the indigenous population of North America were just absolutely wonderful, peaceful people in harmony with nature. And then the evil Europeans came over and stuffed small pop pox blankets down their throat because they hated them like this is this really weird binary marvel universe of good and evil no complexity no challenges no weighing things in the balance and no acceptance of the necessary costs of of massive decisions like this no no again the the sign of a refined mind a mature mind a nuanced mind is you you think in terms of trade-offs you say and, th and this goes even with this is why our spending is out of control we're front-loading. If you tell people, well, what you're doing is you're front-loading demand but by these quote-unquote stimuli, then you're actually going to reduce demand years from now. People go, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, you're making a trade-off. You want to front-load demand, front-load spending, but eventually that's going to lead to decreased demand down the road. I don't know what you're talking about. That's where it is for everyone. You spend a dollar on this, that means you're not spending a dollar on that. Everything is about a trade-off. You tell people you can't go to work, we're shutting things down, we're going to let small businesses fail. Okay, so then you're saying that you want big box retailers like Walmart and Amazon to win. Okay, if that's your, but but they that and but that's again why it's just a dishonest game. They won't admit that that's what they want to do because they have no integrity. They want to make it. So that if you're in the middle class, you'll be destroyed. They want to move you to the underclass because the elite, the elite, the only competition is a strong middle class, right? It's the person who grows up in a stable home, stable family. You know, a daughter who grows up in a nuclear family. Well, that's not someone they can prostitute out when she's 19 or 21, right? So they want to, if you're the elite, you want everybody to essentially be a potential slave to you. So to do that, you hollow out the middle class, you destroy the middle class, make sure all the money goes to the top, and then you have a Brazil-type situation. And that's the agenda. And we can see it. We can see it happening right now. Every decision is designed to make that happen. And we will get to the FISA court. I know I kind of lured everyone in here with this bait, but I was kind of curious. I've, I've been following your Twitter account, of course, closely, and I really, really strongly suggest 
the, I guess, medium-sized population that have not been kicked off Mike's Twitter for wasting his valuable time, which is a perfectly valuable reason to do it, but um, have been following. So there's a couple of things that, that really fascinated me. One was, of course, the fact that you've had uh, some varied opinions, which makes sense because the data keeps changing, and, and about coronavirus. And the second was, you were the first one to zone in on something. I've really felt embarrassed that it hadn't crossed my mind, but, you know, credit where credit is due. It's April the 1st today. And rent is due. And mm -hmm. a lot of people, like half the population, doesn't have 500 bucks for an emergency. I mean, it's really, really bad out there. Now, some of this is personal choice. Some of this is bad decisions. Some of it is the fact that, you know, lower middle class hasn't had a raise since the 1970s in real dollar terms. But what was it that got you to think about this whole domino effect of rent? Because, it, 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 again, just didn't cross my mind. Yeah, there is a great question. It's because I've been in a position before where you're, you know, thankfully hasn't been like this for a while, where you're hitting kind of the refresh button on your account to see, okay, do I have enough money? Um, you know, do do I have enough money? Okay, I got my this direct deposit's going to hit, then I can pay rent with this direct deposit. And that's how most people in America live. That's how I lived when I was, you know, went through some hard times. And I've never sort of forgotten those hard times. I've always remembered those hard times or, they, or they've always been in the back of my mind because it's one reason I have so much gratitude and why I fight so hard when people try to take things from me is like, cause I know what they're trying to do to me when, when they do this, it isn't like you're taking a, a swipe at a trust fund kid. So I, so I, I fight back, I think in a way that's quite primal because I know what they're trying to do and where they're trying to send me. I just started thinking, Okay, you lost people lost their jobs around the 10th, 11th. So that check for the 15th is which how you cover your monthly expenses. That's why you buy groceries and everything else. And then the check that hits on the 31st, that's how you pay your rent. That's how most people live. One check goes to rent with a little bit left over. And then the check in the middle of the month is what pays for everything else. And it just occurred to me that a large number of people, now we know it's millions of people they're not going to get that direct deposit today or they weren't going to get that direct deposit the 31st depending on the pay period they don't you just don't have the money they're right it just it's just not there and that's going to lead to you know, defaults on a pretty massive scale well and that uh you know we don't even think about as much the issues with commercial real estate because kind of invisible to most of us we're paying rent right. or mortgage on our own home how is this going to play out on the commercial side um the business to business sector is dwarfs the business to consumer sector and it's this giant machinery that keeps everything running that we barely notice until there's a problem yeah that's another so the another, the reason i thought about the commercial real estate aspect was just simply because i you go to a regular uh, small town coffee shop kind of a craft shop and it's the classic the guy's not trying to get rich. He loves coffee. He created a nice coffee experience. People like it. But you know this is not the kind of place doing 100000 in revenue. It's the kind of place probably doing 10, 15 grand a month in total revenue. Right. That's not counting, you know, that's, that's just gross. We're not talking how much it costs to buy the coffee and inventory and rent and everything else. And I just thought, his name's Brian. And I was just at home. I was like, I wonder what happened with Brian, you know? And then I re so I went in and I just bought like a big gift card because I was like, Phew. and when I went, I could just tell him it was like real depressed, you know, just bummed out because his business had been growing. And then it was just overnight gone. One day you have customers coming in, you're doing great. Everyone's happy. The next day you don't. 
And then I was like, are you going to pay rent? And he's like, you know, I'd like to, but you, you know, we'll see. And that's just across, across the board. If you own any kind of, um, if you own any kind of commercial real estate or if you have any kind of lease. And another thing too, that if you're, Landlord is kind of a jerk, which sometimes they are, not usually, but sometimes they are. It's easy to rationalize not paying because you're just like, well, this is business. This is how it works. Um, you know, you don't feel it's a little different. So if I owed you money, you know, it, it would really haunt me and I'd make sure I could do something about it. You know, I'd worry about it. But if you sign a lease agreement with the commercial real estate guy, and, you know, he's not doing repairs or anything anyway. You're just kind of like, well, screw this guy anyway. Who cares? So I'm sure there's a lot of that. So I just sent you a tweet because I took a survey today. Did you pay your rent or mortgage payment today? Yeah. 9.5% uh, 9.5 said no, and I will. 9.3% said no, and I won't. So what are we thinking? Maybe a 10% default rate? Uh, you know, assuming that that scales. And if anything, this would, because Twitter used to show your demographics. My demographic is overrepresented with people who are wealthy. So yeah, if, yeah. If, if anything, these numbers are low. So it's probably, we're probably looking at 20% default rates. Because if my followers who, when I, when I went through the numbers, I was like, geez, you know, there's just some straight ballers here. If my followers are struggling like that, I can't imagine what people making across the country are doing. So the, the system, I, a friend of mine who's an expert said, you can handle a 3% default rate. It's kind of baked in. 5% maybe, 10% is catastrophic. 10% is a catastrophic default rate. I think we're looking at 10% minimum. We're probably looking at closer to 20%. Wow. Now, how does this play out in the banking sector as a whole, because if people aren't paying rent, the value of real estate is going to crash and they're going to have to call in a whole bunch of loans. And I mean, this whole domino, this whole domino effect that I think you, you'd mentioned one that first got you radicalized was the 0708 post, post financial crash bailouts, just realizing how the government was serving the needs of the elites so much. Um, well, how does this play out economically? Yeah, this is bottom up, which we've, I don't think we've seen in my lifetime where you're, you're talking the shop owner can't pay the landlord who can't pay his mortgage. And then the bank is now dealing with bond issues. And a lot of this debt is owned by pensions. So we're talking, we're talking the bottom all the way up. What does that look like uh, to me? Catastrophic. That's the only, it's kind of a, what does a gunshot wound look like? Will show me the gunshot wound that that's what we're dealing with is, I think trauma and catastrophe and it's going to get worse in April because people still don't have their checks. They're going to get their little checks and then they're going to say, well, you know, do I really want to, do I really want to pay? Do I really want to pay rent in May knowing that I might not have anything? And then what's going to happen is people on the internet are kind of smart and you're going to realize they can't evict everyone at once. So we'll be, we'll be in a situation where, an eviction might in some states take 30 to 90 days. It's going to take 90 to 180 days where foreclosures usually are done in six months. They might be 12 months to 18 months. So a lot of people are going to just say, well, you know, we'll just play the odds 
and you know see what happens. That's why the solutions that we could have had didn't have to be this way. And so this is when all this happens, it's not Monday morning quarterbacking. I was saying from day one, the answer to all of this was just every mortgage, commercial or otherwise, the prince, the the interest would be re, re, rebaked into the principal. It's called a negative amortization loan. It'd just be rebaked in the principal, and you would only pay the, the principal payment due. So, for, so for example, most mortgages are seventy-five to eighty percent interest because interest gets front-loaded on the amortization schedule. So, you would just say, okay, let's say your rent or your mortgage is three grand, probably. 1800 of that's interest to 2200 You don't have to pay the interest. That's just going to go back into your loan. You'll pay that off over 30 years. And then people will be like, okay, I can make a third of my payment or I can make a half of my payment. That could have prevented it all. They could have done that overnight. The Fed just has the power to do that. They didn't do it. And now we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see what happens because they didn't do that. $1,200 per person, $6,000 per capita. Boy, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the priority of the elites, I don't know what will. Let's uh, help people understand that who haven't been following that math. Yeah, they, so it's kind of mind blowing, really. Everybody gets $1,200, even though a lot of people would have been fine not getting anything. And, you know, because you just would have, because we're at an unusual time, there's a lot of people who would have foregone that. And then, the unemployment benefits are actually pretty good. So if you're in if you're in New York or San Francisco or any kind of city, you're you're wiped out. There's just no way that you can do it. If you're in middle America and you lose your job, you do get unemployment plus like six hundred bucks or something like that. So you're you're in a position now where some people are gonna be okay in certain areas. The the final bill had but other areas are just going to be completely, completely hollowed out. And then, of course, Boeing got its $17 billion interest-free loans. And, uh, oh, you know, ooh, that reminds me. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, ha, now that I got you. Uh, let, let's break out. Well, if you don't mind, break out the stock buyback thing and how this uh, Pinocchio house of cards, uh, all these brilliant businessmen who take free money and buy their own stock. Look, I made the stock value rise. I mean, what, what's the story? And, and why should that have been used as an excuse to not give these bastards any bailouts? Right. So this is something I didn't know about. I only learned about recently, and it's kind of mind-blowing. There's actually articles in 2017 saying that this would happen. So here's what would happen. You're an executive, and you get stock options. The stock option is it gives you the right to buy stock at a certain share price when the stock goes up. So for example, uh, Boeing, you get stock options at $100. So if Boeing drops to 90, you don't ever have to exercise those options. If Boeing goes to 200, you exercise the options to double your money. What Boeing did was they borrowed money at almost no interest. And then they used that money that they borrowed to buy back shares of Boeing stock, doubling, in some cases, tripling, the value of their stock options. Then they cashed out their options after loading Boeing up, loading Boeing up with debt. And by the way, that debt that Boeing loaded up with was sold to pensions. So it's even worse than you think. They used borrowed money to buy back their shares at a huge profit for them personally. 
And then their debt was bonds were created out of their debt. And then those bonds were sold to pensions. So now if you have a pension and all taxpayers own pensions, unfortunately, because Illinois, California, a number of other states are obligated to pay these pay these pensions in some cases as a constitutional amendment. So if you're a taxpayer in New Jersey, California, Illinois, you now own Boeing debt and you made Boeing executives rich. And now Boeing comes in and says, we want to borrow all this money again. And somebody floated a proposal that, hey, why don't we you know, buy shares in Boeing? And Boeing said, we won't do it. We won't consent to it. And then rather than bring them to heel and saying, no, we're just, we're going to buy Boeing stock. It's a hundred bucks. We're going to buy 10% of Boeing. And then we'll share in, in Boeing's rise. We just said, oh, okay, well, you know, what can we do? You, you know, we just won't do anything about that. And then create a special provision giving Boeing essentially interest-free loans. Maybe 1% of the, it's, it's the, essentially it's interest-free money for Boeing. And allegedly there's a stock buyback provision, but people will find, they'll always find a loophole for that. Nothing will happen. And maybe this will save us for two or three or four years, but it's going to keep getting worse. Each fall is going to get worse. Each fall is going to necessitate. Remember, TARP in 2008, 2009 was, even though it was more than $750 billion, because there was all this other perks and other things, it was still, it was marketed as $750 billion. Well, this one, they had to market at $6 billion. Well, maybe only $2 billion. See? So in a 10-year span, we went from, uh, being sold on the idea that we needed a 750 billion to now it's between two and six billion. So what's going to happen 10 years from now? Or even, not probably not 10, probably three to five years from now. We'll be talking 10 billion. So the the mass hyperinflation fear has been overstated for years, and it's going to happen though. There's no other no other way around it. Well, I mean, one of the ways that this inflation, which the Austrian economists have always predicted, one of the ways it was tamped down was it would go into things like stock buybacks, which don't directly drive inflation. It was also, and, and having manufacturing over there in China, having all these cheap goods pile into the uh, environment, okay, it creates a rust belt and a whole bunch of Trump voters, but it drives down the price of things. And as long as you mm -hmm. exclude certain essentials, like in particular real estate from the CPI, man, things are looking good. But right now... We have a massive infusion of cash, made up cash, into the economy at the same time as uh, cheap Chinese goods might be kind of on hold for a little while. I think we are going to see a bit of a bust up in terms of inflation. Yeah, there. I mean, I'm already seeing inflation. Uh, um, I've I, I've been very much uh, having a lot of what you would call like boomer movements, where <laughs> like this chocolate bar that I like, it's kind of exotic and everything. And I went to went to buy three ninety nine. I was like, no, 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 no. What? When did this happen? Right. So we're already. Dude, we're already, you can't be eating sugar when dentists are closed down. This was high grade chocolate. This is eighty five percent chocolate with no sugar. And my, I have friends who are dentists. So fortunately for me, oh, that's another. That's another cascade effect of all of this. Is that what do you do if you wake up with a toothache? Right. Hope you have a friend who's a dentist. What if you're? What if you have like an abscess or something and you need? Do, uh, doctor will all elect they call it elective all elective surgery which covers way more than plastic surgery all elective surgery is gone now right so you can't see a doctor can't see a dentist inflation's happening i just i get sticker shock now all the time where 
Like, wait a minute, how? The? And then we even look at something that I would think would, would, would be cheap. A gallon of milk or eggs are just staples. Even the factory farm-produced eggs are absurd. Everywhere you look, so yeah, inflation is, is rapidly happening. It's, it's absolutely here. Okay, so the aforementioned dangle, dangle bait of, of FISA court. Okay, could you give us a primer? I feel like I'm just lobbing questions at you, but this is your, your wheelhouse for sure. Could you give us like a primer, the FISA court, why it came into being, what its purpose was, and kind of how it played out in actual reality rather than on paper? Right, so the FISA court is a place you go to get a warrant on someone who you believe is a terrorist. Usually it covers all kind it covers all espionage, but generally speaking, it was what you would use to cover terrorism. Not garden variety crime, not garden variety wire fraud. We're talking foreign interference, foreign espionage, terrorism. After 9-11, it got boosted up. So the way the FISA court goes is this. Someone comes in, they apply for a warrant to spy on Mike Cernovich. I'm not notified. I can't bring a lawyer in to fight it. I will never even know that the warrant was filed against me unless they indict me for something and they want to use evidence obtained from that warrant against me. And even then, I can't see the application. That's how secret it is. It is, by all definitions, a secret court. The compromise thus was brokered, which went something like this. Hey, you, you know, it's terrorism. You don't want to let people know, hey, we're spying on you because that'll give up tradecraft, right? Okay. And, there, and that's actually, you know, there's a point to that, yes. which is if, if there's a random guy who comes in on a student visa from China and you say, oh, there's a warrant on you, well, his cover's been blown and you're not going to get any intel. So I, saw, I might have some misgivings, but I can see the logic. The truth. Trade-off was that because this is such an intrusive warrant and it is a secret court and you are being denied the right to counsel, we're going to make them so hard to get and the procedure so arduous that the, the fail rate is going to be like 0.01%. So we know maybe Wait, sorry, one in a What do you mean thousand, by the fail rate there? Well, you're going to catch up an innocent person every now and then, Right. Success rate would mean you're actually spying on criminals. Failure rate would mean you're just spying on an innocent person. You just got it wrong. So you, you understand what I'm saying? Yep. Okay. So and, and we all have kind of accepted collectively that, you know, you're going to spy on innocent people. Now then, it's going to happen. We've now warrant. By the way, is my reception still good? Oh, uh, you cut like, out a sec. But you're like right. Yeah, Okay. So the Carter Page warrant showed that, in fact, you know, in fact, none of the procedures were followed. The IG said none of the procedures were followed. Not only that, there was that was submitted that was fabricated. Just an email was altered to make it look like it was Tory when it was actually exculpatory. Said we're going to audit a whole bunch of right. They audited, I believe, 25. Um, everyone contained errors. Not, not one complied with all the procedures. And some were so deficient that it was just a joke. It, it was – so, for example, there, you, you're, you have to keep something – follow Woods procedures. 
and you have to keep a documenting every fact. So for example, if they say Mike six foot, you have to point to something saying, well, here's him on his blog saying he's six foot or he, here's a record from the DMV saying he's, you can't just put any fact in there without a citation and you have to be able to authenticate that, right? So if you say Stefan Molyneux, you, you couldn't say Stefan Molyneux is a popular social media person. You would have to say he has X hundred thousand number of viewers, and then they would actually have to have a screenshot from Social Blade or something. You know, th that's what we mean by a whisper procedure. a file. Every fact has to have a citation and be documented. And they were like, no, no, they just didn't do that. Just didn't do it. Oh, oh for 25. Zero for 25 is what it was. So whatever. Um, and, and by the way, this is what happened. What happened with Carter Page, I, I said this and that was unpopular with MAGA, but I go, I don't think they targeted Carter Page or Trump. I think that they're just such crooks and criminals. They just do this to everybody. It wasn't unique. I, I predicted that what happened to Carter Page wasn't a one-off. It wasn't unique. It's just what they do all the time. And sure enough, that's what this audit showed. There's just no adherence to the law at all. Now, what was it that brought about this review of the FISA court? You're cutting out on me or I'm cutting out on you. Oh, lost me for a minute. Are we back? Um, you guys on the chat, can you um, can you see me okay, or is it just Mike? Yeah, we've got a little bit of uh, slowdown. It was the Carter wanna... Page, the Carter Page warrant. So the the question was, did the FBI just violate the procedures in Carter Page? I'm sure everybody's enjoying the fact that we're talking about uh, <laughs> warrantless wiretapping. And uh, at the same time, uh, we, uh, we are getting a major slowdown on Mike. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. But um, we'll... Uh, Let we'll me reboot my Wi-Fi. I'll be right back. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, uh, yeah, how are you guys doing, by the way? Um, it is, um, you can go to freedomain.com, click on documentaries. The top one is Hong Kong Fight for Freedom. I hope that you will check it out. Uh, it's a very, very good documentary. Don't forget to check out hoaxedmovie.com for more from uh, Mike Cernovich. He's going to try and reconnect. It shouldn't be magic, though. I mean, reconnection is reconnection. I don't think it's on Mike's side, but we'll see when he comes, uh, when he comes back. Because it was actually, it was pretty good for the first, like, 40 minutes, right? At least, you know, a couple of slowdowns, but nothing too bad. People are enjoying the Doom stream. Yeah, it's a nice break. <laughs> it's a nice break. Kowinky dink, says someone. Just a kowinky dink. Just a kowinky dink. Superb documentary. Here we go back. Thank you. Oh, yeah. If you try turning it off, then back on again. That's, you know, reboot everything. It's magic. All right. Jump on Doom real quick. Mm. It's tempting. It's tempting. I don't get tired of that. Um, so, all right. Mike, can you, uh, can you hear me be coming through it all? Oh, that's, some, that's some 2002 webcamming right there. 
Maybe he's going to take a photo. Turn on your 4G. <laughs> Turn on your 5G. Apparently, that makes everybody sick. Yeah. Uh, great stream. Yeah, I did a great stream with Sargon last night, and uh, you should check it out. It was a really uh, fun. I also did a great interview, or was rather grilled up against the wall by the great Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, where uh, he asked me some very, very tough questions. Uh, he's going to put that out over the next week or two. Well, not over the next week or two, in the next week or two. So you should check that out. All right. Sargon, S-A-R-G-O-N. Sargon of Akkad. I should play World of Warcraft. Ah, it seems kind of... Uh, oh, my, he's going to try coming back in. World of Warcraft seems kind of complicated. <laughs> I don't mean to say Like I go to video games to relax from complicated things like philosophy and the world and all of that. So um, I don't think... That's what I kind of like about Doom is it's really, really twitchy and kind of kind of slow down. And I'm playing it so old school. Mods are for the week. All right. We need to see if Mike comes back. Uh, otherwise, we'll uh, we'll close it down. Uh, I will read you a little bit about the FISA stuff. Um, this just comes from yesterday. The Department of Justice's internal watchdog has found quote apparent errors or inadequately supported facts end quote in more than two dozen FBI wiretap applications to the secretive domestic surveillance court. You know, I'm just telling you, it's a basic fact. Human beings cannot handle power. We just can't handle power. And of course, once we could understand this, we'd stop running and give a huge amount of power to people we hope are just going to be absolutely glorious and completely wonderful and perfect uh, when they're not. They're going to be, like most people, amoral power seekers in this Nietzschean will to power universe, and they're just going to use the power that they have to try and get what they want. The findings come from an initial audit by Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz of 29 FBI applications to the Foreign Intelligence Surveyor Court, also known as the FISA court. Yeah, you can see me, all right? Okay. They point to widespread problems with the Bureau's handling of national security surveillance warrants beyond the recent highly charged case of former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. So Mike had talked about these Woods procedures, the FBI's process for ensuring that each fact in a FISA application is supported with documentation. If investigators assert that someone they want to monitor traveled at a certain time, they must show evidence such as a plane ticket or a car rental. Investigators haven't always been doing that, as they're required the report found. The inspector general says, we do not have confidence that the FBI has executed its Woods procedures in compliance with FBI policy. The FBI could not locate that supporting documentation known as a Woods file in four of the 29 cases. In three of the, of the cases, the inspector general says, the FBI did not know whether the files ever existed. Boy, you try not finding things that the FBI is looking for and see how well that plays out for you. But uh, if the FBI just loses important files, which they use to actually not just support, but actually get these warrantless wiretaps, well, apparently that's just fine. You know, who watches Who watches the watchers? I mean, there is nobody to watch the watchers. That's the basic reality, right? Uh, so attesting a FISA applications to the Associated Woods files identified apparent errors or inadequately supported facts in all of the 25 applications we've reviewed. In all of the 25 applications we reviewed, the Inspector General said. At this time, we have identified an average of about 20 issues per application reviewed, with a high of approximately 65 issues in one, in one application and less than five issues in another application. Oh, look, only five significant issues in the application, but up to 65 as well. In those 25 applications with the Woods file, the review identified facts that were not supported or not corroborated by documentation in the file or inconsistent with the supporting documentation. 
<laughs> oh, there's going to be recommendations. Don't worry. We will find a way to reform a completely corrupt system. Uh, how are we going to do that? Uh, magic? Uh, a wand? Uh, Voldemort? I don't know. <laughs> it's just strange. It's not going to happen. They won't be able to reform it. You can't reform this stuff. Power corrupts. I mean, we've heard this all. Power corrupts. And absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. And this is a huge amount of power to have a secret court where you can't be defended against and all that. And uh, it's not going to be. So, um, two recommendations. So they do a full inventory to make sure every FISA application has a corresponding Woods file. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the fact that they didn't do what they were supposed to do before, uh, now they're being told to do it again. So, you know, absolutely for sure, it's going to happen again. That's just the way that it, it works, right? So, yeah, that is uh, reality. So, by the way, you know, just do the stuff which you were supposed to do in the first place. That's our big recommendation. Ah, um, the, the Inspector General's report includes the FBI's response to the initial audit. In it, the Bureau accepts the IG findings and says it believes the problems will be addressed by the corrective steps of the FBI director that the FBI director ordered in December to address shortcomings in the Bureau's FISA process. This initial review from the Inspector General adds to his scathing report in December on the FBI's applications to surveil former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page in the early days of the Russia investigation. Come on. Anybody still believe that was a Russia investigation? Good heavens, no. It was the Trump investigation. It was, I believe, Obama ordered Hillary knowledgeable, Hillary-driven, spying on a political competitor. Uh, it is really banana republic third world stuff. It's kind of an insult to the third world, which didn't have quite as far to fall. That report, this is the one into Carter Page, identified 17 significant errors or omissions in the Bureau's application to the FISA court to wiretap Page. The DOJ Inspector General also highlighted the errors in the FBI's adherence to the Woods procedures and said it would review the FBI's compliance with the procedures more broadly in national security cases. Horowitz's findings have complicated the political outlook for the continued authorization of the FISA powers on which the FBI and other agencies have grown to depend on since the terror attacks of 2001, when they have swollen terrorism and the number of terrorists by thousands and thousands of times. So please for, don't imagine for a moment that the FISA courts have anything to do with fighting terrorism. Come on. I mean, let's not be, uh, let's not be hopelessly naive here. It's got nothing to do with fighting terrorism. What it is to do with is having power to surveil your political enemies. That's really what it's about. Now think about this, right? So there are these rules, these laws, you could say, these procedures in the FBI, like these Woods requirements and so on. Now, why do you think that none of these recommendations were consistently followed in any of the 25 reviewed FISA applications? Why? Do you think it's just a coincidence that all of the FBI agents involved in all of these applications just happen to say, you know what, just on my own, just based on me and flipping a coin and rolling the dice, I'm just not going to obey any of the rules for the FISA court. Come on. That's not the kind of decision that people make, particularly at a low to medium level, if they're going to face negative consequences for those decisions. That's just not the way reality works. No, no. The way that reality works is that the memo, so to speak, you know, probably not 
written down, probably not documented in any particular way, probably some sort of whisper campaign or hand signals in ancient Incan hieroglyphics, I don't know. But what actually happens is somebody at the top says, these rules, bullcrap. We don't have to follow them. We're not going to follow them. Oh, and by the way, you will not only receive no negative consequences for failing to follow these rules, but we're going to give you a nice, big, juicy gold star right next to your name if you fail to follow these rules. There's no way in hell or high water that these FBI agents are making decisions to not follow these rules unless it's coming from someone on top who's reassured them, and probably quite consistently, who has reassured them that the media is not going to dig in, that nothing's going to happen to them, and they end up sweating, breaking these rules about as much as Hillary Clinton sweated her investigation under James Comey. In other words, pretty much having advanced knowledge that nothing bad was going to happen. So, yeah, it's a cultural issue, and it's at the senior level, uh, and it is uh, taking... You know, it's taking powers that were expanded when America was at its most fearful and most vulnerable after 9-11. It's taking those incredible powers. And what happens is they then use this in the pursuit of evil and power and all other kinds of ugly things that is going to be going to be the case. All right. So I will I'll take a couple of questions here. I don't know if mics mics are coming back. We shall see. Uh, not the end of the world. We got, we picked his brain already. So I'll take a couple of questions while we just wait for Mikey Mike to see if he can nose straw his way back into the stream. And uh, I guess I should check this out on, let's see here. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's put that in slow-mo, shall we? <laughs> I think we should. Hold on a sec here. Live chat. Enable slow mode. Sorry, I thought that was on. Uh, I thought that was on by default. All right, this will slow things down. Yeah. So I guess the trolls came in and said that Rush Limbaugh had died. I checked it, uh, but uh, not the case. I guess you were trying to get us to announce something that was incorrect to make us look bad. That's a. That's a pretty sad. That's a pretty sad way to spend your life. But hey, everybody has their freak flag to fly, I suppose. All right. Let's see if we get any questions or if we just, <laughs> let's see here. Oh man, that is fast. That is fast stuff. Well, I guess when you got, I don't know, 1700 people and change coming in, typing like mad. Uh, let's see here. Any questions that we got going on here? Um, let's see here. Sorry. Let me just zoom this up a little bit. Pop out the chat. Pop out the chat now. Pop out the chat now. Dance, dance, dance. Wow. Boom, 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 boom. All right. There we go. Have you seen Idiocracy? If yes, what do you think? I think that the first bit is a documentary. I never got much past that. Uh, let's see. Every day is April Fool's Day in this timeline. What do you think of Bruce Springsteen buying his daughter's horses for millions of dollars? That guy has a sad vibe to him. You know what I mean? Bruce Springsteen has always had a bottomless, depressive, very sad vibe to him. Oh, yeah, great musician, great singer, great songwriter. Uh, hungry, uh, hungry, uh, hungry Heart is one of the great songs ever, uh, ever written, and great lyrics and all that. But man, it is, it is sad. How bad do you think the economic fallout in Canada will be post-corona? Well, um, I guess what you have to do is compare it to endless mass immigration, and uh, it's uh, hard to say. Did you hear about the Harvard professor who got arrested for aiding China with biological research? Oh, the Jewish guy? Yeah, he, uh, he did. 
get arrested. I think he failed to disclose something like 50 grand a month. Uh, and that's not, that's not very good. Oh, yes, this is important. I did watch this today. There is a video from a fellow named Lao Y86. That's L-A-O-W-H-Y 86, revealing the possible source of the coronavirus in China. You should, uh, you should check that out. Question. Those two-minute videos you do are great. Why don't you do more lengthy ones like that? Hmm. It is, uh, it is a good question. I'm still experimenting with, with formats. Am I the only person to notice that Stefan's head is the exact shape of Boba Fett's helmet? I know. I still can't believe I don't get any royalties from that. All right. Is World War Three coming? Well, I, I believe it's already underway, to be honest with you. I, I think it's not so much coming as it is here. Have you seen The Truman Show? I have seen The Truman Show. It's actually a pretty good movie. All right. I heard a beep in my ear. Oh. Your guest, Will, what is he saying here? Well, some kind of message. Mike, I don't have your video yet. Oh, let's try. Let's try it again. Is he back? Oh, we still look like we've got a series of Etch-A-Sketch going on. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, bummer. Bummer. Um, much just... Okay. Well, listen, that's not, that's not too bad. It was great to have Mike back on. I'm sure we'll uh, get him back. Um, it is tough, you know, when you try and run your internet empire on a 28-8 modem. Ooh, there's a joke that nobody's going to understand because uh, it's just too ancient. You know, very first computer I had with a modem, it was a 300-board modem. It was a 386SX processor with one meg, not one gig, one meg of RAM. All right. Couple more questions. We'll close down for the night. I really do appreciate everyone dropping by. Please don't forget to uh, stay safe and to stay happy with regards to this. You know, it's a tough time, but there will be some good things that come out of this. Uh, all tragedies do have significant silver linings, and there will be positive things that come out of this. I absolutely promise you, I'm now old enough to not be able to prejudge most things because uh, if you prejudge most things, you almost end up being wrong. All right, let's do another couple of questions. Uh, what can we do to take away the power from corrupt politicians? Well, confront the people in your life who depended upon state power and get them to change their ways. And don't, uh, don't hesitate to go to the wall for this particular issue. Uh, social shaming and ostracism is very, very powerful. Can the world recover? Well, of course the world can recover and the world will be stronger as a result. I mean, gosh. You know, what's happened is um, we now have a situation where mass human movement is on hold. And if that had all continued and the voting patterns had continued with uh, immigrants into the West, we would have lost all our freedoms. So I just wanted to mention that, that uh, this uh, may end up being in some ways better for the world as well. Uh, what do you think of Bruce Springsteen pretending to be a socialist while buying his daughter several million dollar horses? Yeah. It's typical. I mean, you have to pretend to be a socialist. Otherwise, it's really tough to make it as an artist. All right. Why does it feel like a modern society with greater access to information seems much less willing to fight for a change as opposed to past societies with much less or no access? Well, uh, for that, you have to uh, read At Our Wits End uh, about declining intelligence in Western societies. How long have you known Mike? Uh, we go back a ways. Play the new Half-Life game. Uh, I might. I might, but... Um, this Doom, blind to Doom playthrough 
is the first video game that I've played through in probably since Dune 2018, Dune 2018, Dune 2017, something like that. So, All right. I don't know who the AMTV guy is, so I'm not really sure. Will we ever go back to the way things were pre-COVID-19? Absolutely not. Uh, no, there will be nothing. What will the post-coronavirus world look like? So the post-coronavirus world looks a lot less manic. It looks a lot less hysterical. It looks a lot more bonded because people have now realized the weakness of uh, atomic isolation. They've realized that they need to save money, that they need to have friends, that they need to have a community. And this whole massively debt and government-funded isolation experiment and selfishness experiment, which has characterized the world since the post-Second World War, this all come crashing down. It's all come crashing down. I just mean economically, that's going to happen anyway. But um, because of debt, people have relied on government money printing rather than each other. And they have relied on being bailed out in one form or another rather than them, their own savings and their own skills. So it's my hope, of course, that people in this audience, what they do is... Uh, you you up your skills, you build your communities, you increase your human capital, you learn new things, you become smarter, you read Austrian economics, you read philosophy, you read uh, business books, you just up your skills uh, so that you can be ready to leap into action when the economy comes back. All right, let's do one or two more questions. How long is it since you've talked to your mom? <laughs> you sound like you know her. How long has it been since I talked to my mom? Uh, probably 20 years. Yeah, probably 20 years. And, uh, uh, yeah, at, at our wits end, at our wits end. Uh, yeah, it's been about 20 years since I've talked to my mom. She's still alive as far as I know. And, uh, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't have the show otherwise. I mean, I, I, you can't be bigger than the smallest vision you, of you, of the person around you. you. You can't be a bigger or more powerful person than the smallest view of yourself in someone around you. So if you have someone intimate in your life who's part of your inner circle who thinks that you're small or powerless or ineffective or goofy or stupid or anything like that, uh, well, um, you just simply can't be big. Steph, do you garden? Uh, yes. Uh, are you coming back to Twitch? Yes. Um, do you enjoy firearms? Yes. <laughs> Will we return to a more free market and less government in the West and how? The how is up to you. The how is up to you. You have to fight for these ideals and you have to be willing to go to the wall in terms of your relationships. Uh, I call it the against me argument. Any, anybody who supports the initiation of force against you not only does not love you but deep down hates you and once you wake up to that fact, you will start to change the world. All right. How will this change education? <laughs> well, people are, you know, there's not going to be any school for the rest of this school year. I don't know what's going to happen in September. But please remember, please remember, of course, my friends, that um, it's just the first wave. There's been a slight slowdown in the exponential growth of the virus. It's kind of tough to eyeball, and I'm not mathematically competent enough to really measure it. But there has been a slight slowdown. Maybe, maybe we've seen the top of this thing. But there's another wave coming. So people are going to go back to work. The virus is going to spread again. And there's not really going to be a plan B. That is going to be the tough one. That is going to be the tough one over the summer. And uh, then there's going to be a third wave, as there usually is, which will probably hit September, October. So, All right. Uh, how do you know that your mom is still alive? Well, I just do. 
what would your, sorry, that's not an answer, but I'm not going to answer that one. What would your mom have had to do for you to have contact with her? Oh, uh, acknowledge the abuse and uh, an apology would have been nice, but not tell me that I was crazy for pointing out the abuse. I'm like, no, that's not the case. Uh, did you watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy? You should critique it with your daughter when the time comes. You're so awesome. Thanks. I really love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I thought it was much better than The Hobbit, where they really did stretch it out way too long. Way too long. All right. Um, would an anarcho-capitalist society just sell their land to communists? <laughs> Why would communists have any money if it wasn't for the state? They wouldn't. How, do this, how does this change dating? Oh, man, it's great for the young in many ways, right? Uh, it's great for the young because will I get an inheritance from my mother? I will not. Absolutely not. No, she's broke. But um, and I used to give her money, but uh, it, it just never worked out. It just went to it went to bullying and bad ends, uh, legal stuff that I don't want to get into here. But um, let's see here. Uh, there was another good. Oh, how does this change dating? Well, it's great for dating in a way, right? Because people are not out there getting drunk as much. At least I hope not. They're not out there smoking pot. They're not out there just having cheap, useless, meaningful, full of regret and bacteria sex. STDs are going to go down and people are just going to start to get serious about their lives. This is a great quote from Gorilla, uh, Gorilla Mindset, Mike's book, you know, like his dad said to him, like, when are you going to get serious? And this question is, when are you going to get serious about your life? Hopefully before it's too late. And this is really going to help you get serious. Uh, this this stuff is really going to help you get serious. So let's see here. I need to get to Canada for freedom. When will the borders between the U.S. and Canada open up again? Well, I don't know, obviously. But if I had to guess, what will happen is there will be an openness and then there will be a flare-up of the... You know what it's like? I'll tell you what it's like. Have you ever had like a soft tissue injury? Uh, these are a bit of a problem for me. Oh, always have been, right? So soft tissue injury, like you're working out and, you know, you hurt a, a, a tendon, you hurt some, some whatever it is, musculature, deep musculature, whatever, right? And then you like, you, you exercise it, you massage it, you heat it, you cool it, whatever you need to do. And then you get back to it, right? Because you're like, yeah, I'm better. And it's like, ah, oh, too soon, right? And you hurt yourself again. And, you know, this can kind of go on and on for a while. And this is the reality that in order to save the economy, we're going to have to go back to work before the virus is gone. And the virus will never be gone because you can't put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube. So the economy, is, the borders are going to open back up. But then, of course, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is um, it's going to flare up again. And um, what's going to happen? We're going to go back to, it's sort of pointless to go back to social distancing in the second or third round because you've already done it and you had to stop doing it because the economy was going to happen. Do you think we will ever go to restaurants again? Uh, they will, of course. Uh, go, we will go back to restaurants, but uh, we're never going back to flying for business the way that we did, right? Have you heard about how deaths are being reported as caused by coronavirus when, for example, someone dies of a heart attack and tested positive for COVID-19? Well, sure. Well, sure. Absolutely, I've heard of that. And that is a big, uh, it's a big issue. But, um, it's still pretty proximate and it's still pretty important. Uh, there's, there's no possible way for medical resources to be available to the world to the point where they could do a full autopsy and figure out the true cause of death. I mean, there's just no way. You've got people dropping all over the place, right? So, All right. How would a free market society deal with a pandemic? Well, the, um, how, how much of the airlines, how much of the airline executives, how much are they personally liable 
for flying people in from China when China was reporting an unknown illness all over the place, right? Well, would you ever be willing to do a do philosophy and film analyses videos? Uh, sit down and watch a full movie with your commentary, such as V for Vendetta or Lord of the Rings. So I've done both V for Vendetta and Lord of the Rings as movie uh, analyses, and um, so you can. I've done a whole bunch of movie analysis. You can just go do a search for movie on my channel. What made you realize that you needed to cut contact with your mom? What was the straw that broke the camel's back? Well, I was in therapy at the time, and um, I had a whole series of conversations with my mother regarding the abuse that she inflicted upon me as a child. And I really did. I was not angry. I just wanted to get this reality into our relationship. And... I could see very much, I did this in private uh, at her place, so, you know, it wasn't public, it wasn't, right? And I, I was talking to her about this, and I just re I really had a basic need, which was, this This happened, right? And we need to talk about it, we need to acknowledge this, right? And I could see that she knew that it happened. You know, boy, if there's one person you could read, it's your mom, right? And same thing with parents and your kid, right? I know this now in particular as a father. And I saw across the table that my mom knew and remembered, made a conscious decision to avoid it, and this look of cunning came into her eyes where she was calculating whether she could get away with it. And I was like, I'm, I'm not here in this relationship. I'm just an object to be used. So, no, you can't have a relationship with people who only think about themselves, and it's no good. Bal Diablo, notice me, senpai. Absolutely not. Absolutely impossible. A video about the, a video about the steps it took for you to start up your software company would be interesting. Hmm. That is a very, very interesting idea. That is a very interesting idea. All right. Last couple of questions. Who are your heroes? Man, you got to look for your heroes in the mirror first and foremost. Should we take the money from the government? Well, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> you know, they're going to spend it at you or they're going to give it to Boeing executives. I'd rather you have it. Would you ever consider doing an interview with PewDiePie in the future? Now, PewDiePie is a very charismatic, very funny, and very smart guy whose videos I generally don't understand in terms of why they're so popular. But, you know, it's probably a generational thing. I would be very happy to chat with PewDiePie, but I doubt very much that PewDiePie, I mean, while he might be happy to chat with me in a private context, I doubt very much that he would be happy to chat with me in a public context because this whole deplatforming and social censorship media crap started because the Wall Street Journal went after PewDiePie for his asso supposed association or, or fans of or positive attitudes towards national socialism. And given that that's something that's been used to smear me pretty consistently over the years, it probably would not. Like if, if I were him, I'd do a cost benefit analysis and, uh, you know, it may not be top of his list, although I certainly would recommend he's got good videos on philosophy. Sorry, let me just say there's some I don't really get the whole screechy game stuff, but uh, his his more thoughtful videos on philosophy are really, really good and really well done. And he is very, very smart in that way. It's the sun 93 million miles away. Yes, it may seem a million miles away. Would you be interested in doing animated educational videos? I can animate or design. I got to tell you, all of the people that I work with in animation are so flaky that they make 
an apple pie look like a brick? Have you heard any updates on Jordan Peterson's status during all of this? I do see I do see him um, post from time to time, but I've not actually heard any of that. How do we address Google as the threat to freedom of speech, Steph? Well, surely you don't use Google for your searches. <laughs> I mean, good heavens, are you kidding? Uh, right. Um, what's your experience been with managing teams remotely? Uh, I, I was fine with people working from home when I was a manager. Uh, and I tried to make it so enjoyable at work that they'd want to come in. And we did that through playing Unreal games uh, after after hours and then going out for dinner. So, you know, just try and make it as much fun. But I, I definitely had some of that. I had the same relationship with my mother, says the wizard, often worse from my limited knowledge of your relationship with yours. She did not apologize up to her dying breath. Yeah, so when people go morally crazy, the first thing that goes is their knowledge that they're morally crazy. And there's actually no person in there who has the capacity to apologize. So, uh, do you think Freddie Mercury was good looking? Well, until he smiled. <laughs> yes. Does, does, Jordan ben, does Jordan Peterson's benzo addiction discredit any of his ideas? Well, technically no, but practically perhaps some. So technically, the fat guy who smokes might have the best dieting and quit smoking books in the world, but who bothers because you don't ever worry about it, so... You heard about Trump's war on drugs today. Yes, he is starting to wage war on the cartels, which does not seem to be a very good idea when uh, the cops are getting sick, particularly in New York. So, all right. How do you feel about astrology in these times? Um, astrology is completely goofy nonsense. Uh, let's see here. The Propertarian folks? You know, it's funny because there's this guy named Kurt Doolittle, and Kurt is, you know, one of these people who lives up to his name. He's very Kurt. And um, so, uh, you know, he, he's just been kind of a, a douchebag to me consistently, you know, kind of insulting and hostile and all that. Eh, you know, eh, we'll see. We'll see. Do you think this is all done on purpose to buy all the debt and the old finance system and bring up a new kind of system based on digital cashless world currency? No, but um, they'll take advantage of it as uh, best as they can. Of course so. Uh, let's see here. Does your, did your mom consistently shame you and let you feel that you were wrong on every level? No, actually, my mom was actually quite a big fan of my creative and artistic endeavors. Do you miss the UK? I miss the UK of my youth. I would find it beyond heartbreaking to go back to the UK at the moment and find that the homes that I grew up in have been turned into a um, mosque-centric immigrant ghetto. It would just be, uh, it would just be so sad. Do you think Jay Dyer is arrogant? Well, arrogance is always the flip side of insecurity. And a secure person is willing to test his ideas according to objective standards. And whenever you have a thinker who brings up alternative dimensions where their errors can somehow be fact, uh, that is usually not a sign of great, um, great confidence. The UK has fallen. Well, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Are you still considering returning to your childhood faith? Uh, I, am, which, I, I, I am always open to things. And if there's evidence or if I experience something, I will keep you posted. What is your zodiac sign and, and Briggs-Meyer personality type? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Briggs-Meyer? Briggs-Meyer is total garbage. Briggs-Meyer was invented by a couple of secretaries. It's never tested for anything. And it's got about as much predictive power as reading tea leaves. 
So yeah, it's all all complete nonsense. Real Time Relationships is a great book, Steph. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, you can get that at freedomain.com forward slash books or freedomain.com forward slash free. Do you think JFK is alive? Yes. And he's opening for Jim Morrison? No, neither of them are alive. And um, thank you for being you. Love your shows. Well, thank you very much. Do you think interracial marriage is okay? Well, you care what I think. It's fine. You marry whoever you want. Yeah, I mean, the, the people who, biracial children do have significant issues in terms of mental health and feeling like they fit in. They might have trouble with the organ transplant. So, you know, just need to be aware of the choices that you're making and how it's going to influence your kids. But uh, yeah, marry whoever you want. When is the next Doom vid coming? I don't know. It's really, really hard to find a time. Are you a fan of Malcolm Gladwell? Do you know I actually sat next to him once in a restaurant? But anyway, it's a complete coincidence. Um... But uh, I liked Malcolm Gladwell's earlier books. I think he's had some methodology issues with this 10,000 hours stuff and all of that. I think he's okay. He's just, uh, he's just kind of a bit amoral and he stays away from race and IQ. What is your most underrated book? I don't know. Are any of them underrated? Um, well, it's a book that I haven't actually done much with. I have a, a three-volume book that took me 18 months to write. It's a novel, and it's a British family and a German family from the end of the second, First World War to the end of the Second World War. It's an amazing book, and I will get round to reading it as an audiobook or putting it out at some point. What do you do for exercise, Steph? Well, I have a fairly primitive gym at home, which I do a lot of work in, and I have a bike machine, and uh, I used to play racket sports when it was possible, and I will get back into it, hopefully, when that's that's the case. All right. What does your family think about you and your views? Well, if you're talking about my family of origin, uh, well, let's see. Uh, what is your favorite food you know how to make? I got to tell you, it's kind of sad, but I love me a good omelet. A good omelet that is just, I actually took photographs of them the other day. I made an omelet that was so pretty. So how does it feel knowing some of your content has saved lives? Well, it feels great, and you all should take a bow for sticking by me at a time when I've been horrendously lied about, which has been basically since I've been in the, in the public sphere. Uh, you, of course, I'm sure have suffered for transmitting what I have to say, what philosophy has to say, even indirectly uh, and, and even more directly. So we are all part of getting philosophy out into the world, and uh, you have helped this show, you might have supported this show, you might have donated to the show, you might have shared the ideas. You are part of this whole success story. So if lives have been saved, and I know that they have, then you should also do it. When was the last time you had fish and chips? Um, late last week, there's a fish and chip shop not too far from where I live, and I'm trying to, uh, I'm not eating out that much these days, but when I do, I try to um, uh, spend my money at local shops because they're, of course, going through tough stuff. Is Israel an ally of the Western world? Mm, I think Israel is in it for Israel. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, when it suits them and, and so on, right? Why is your number of subscribers stuck at 926,000 when it was always increasing before? Because YouTube keeps taking away my subscribers. I mean, people pile on and they just get taken away. So I used to be getting 10,000 new subs a month. And uh, then it was February of last year, I think they started to crush down on channels that were bad things. So. Uh, what are your hobbies when you need to blow off steam? Well, the aforementioned racket sports uh, were, were pretty good. And a workout is always very good. Very good. All right. 
Uh, I'm not going to get into advice on buying crypto. You can. Uh... Will you ever do another video of the story of your enslavement? But well, I'd love to. But unfortunately, when you've got uh, all of these sore on eyes on your channel, uh, it's pretty tough because uh, if you take people's material, even if it's, quote, fair use and this and that and the other, you can get in significant trouble. So unfortunately, uh, it has been, um, it's become pretty much impossible. So what issues with interracial children should I worry about? Well, don't worry. Just, you know, just get the facts and explain it to your kids. They, they do have certain identity uh, problems and they do have uh, again lots of exceptions but uh, they do have issues uh, in terms of mental health and and all of that so just just look at all of that right uh, Steph don't you ever get tempted to become an alpha playboy travel the world and bang chicks with your fame instead of doing philosophy online I won't say it's never crossed my mind but I have such a wonderful life with my wife with my daughter and with this great community and you know does the world need just another guy or does the world need more philosophy so what is your opinion on anime it's strange <laughs> it is very very strange uh your views on asperger's well i've talked to a couple of people who claim they have asperger's i couldn't tell so whatever that means i don't uh, i don't really know uh, the world needs you as you are um, thank you. I appreciate that. Steph, do you feel bad supporting Trump so much to see he turned out to be the biggest socialist of them all? Uh, you know, the big question in philosophy is always compared to what? So compared to, can you imagine how the world would be with Hillary Clinton in power? A literal Lady Macbeth? My gosh. Uh, what do you think of Bruce Springsteen's daughter living off her dad when she is 30? Okay, okay, so Bruce Springsteen probably has a lame daughter. I mean, but have some sympathy for her. I mean, he was off touring the whole time, right? So, does your daughter watch anime? No. Until what age should a child be homeschooled? Uh, until she doesn't want to anymore, I suppose, right? I mean, it's a negotiation, right? All right. Let's see here. What are you most grateful for? Um, well, I'm most grateful for you guys, honestly. I mean, I'm most, this sounds bad. I got a daughter, but that's not something I'm really grateful for. Although, of course, I'm very grateful to be a father. But I'm most grateful for you guys because my family, my daughter kind of has to be here, so to speak, which I'm always sort of conscious of. And um, it is uh, what you guys do to, to keep me up and running is... I mean, I, I, I will never, ever be able to explain just how much it means to me. This is why, hey, you, I put a vote out today. Do you want a coronavirus update or do you want to watch me play Doom, right? It's like, if you want me to play Doom, I'll do it, man. I am, I am your willing, happy, and overjoyed slave. You guys make it possible for me to do what it is that I do. And I know it has come at sometimes significant cost for you. And I'm so bottomlessly grateful. I would be here for 24-7 answering questions uh, if that were the case. What did you do like, dislike with Freddie Mercury's smile? Not the smile. He just, he had extra teeth and uh, he never got them fixed because he wanted to keep that great buzzy resonance that he had with his voice. Do you think this event will humble millennials feel like we've been living in a bubble? Well, it humbles everyone. It humbles everyone. What do you think of Joe Biden? Well, he's a guy whose brain is going down the drain but he has to stay in there to keep his kids out of jail because you know whether they'll even be an election in november i don't know 
because whatever, right? But um, he's got to stay in the race because his kids are going to end up going to jail. The whole damn family is going to probably end up going to jail, I think, because of all of this uh, bullshit that was going on in Ukraine. Why doesn't Stefan talk about Jewish power? So, yeah, there are Jews with a lot of influence in the world. Absolutely. I've talked about that before. Do you like the movie The Edge? Remember that. Is that the one with Anthony? With the bear? I can't remember. Anyway. When will you go back on Joe Rogan's podcast? You know, that's not really up to me. If you, want, if you want me to go back on Joe Rogan's podcast, I will go back on Joe Rogan's podcast. But I'm pretty sure that he won't have me. Do you self-censor? Absolutely. Of course. Of course. I mean, I'm not done. I'm not done. Any advice for someone having a hard time accepting and loving themselves? Um, you can't just will it. You, you can't just will loving yourself. You have to act in a way that is admirable to yourself. You have to, love is our involuntary response to virtue. If we're virtuous, you need to act in a courageous and virtuous manner, which is often terrifying. And then on the other side of that acting in a courageous and virtuous manner, you get self-respect, self-love, and all of that, right? Jim says, love your presentations, Daily Watcher. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. Do not go on Joe Rogan. He is retarded. Um, no, Joe's, Joe's a smart guy. It's just that he doesn't build any of his worldviews from first principles. And uh, he appears to be uh, addicted to drugs, which is not particularly great. All right. Um, I don't know anything about this lawsuit you're talking about. Um, is, is a violin being played well proof of God? Uh, I did do 10 years on the violin. I did do 10 years on the violin. Why is Rogan so annoying? Uh, he's controlled by women. I mean, he's controlled by women. I think he's controlled by his wife. I think he's controlled. I know he's controlled by Anna Kasparian back in the day. Anna Kasparian was the one who talked him into uh, dumping on me, uh, doing a surprise ambush uh, in one of her shows. I mean, he's just uh, he's, uh, he's a cuck that way. He's just a simp. A mangina. You would love the movie Hacksaw Ridge. It's a true story about holding under your principles even in war. I've seen Hacksaw Ridge. Man, that was violent. Uh, Joe Rogan is a Sanders supporter, hence he is far from smart. Well, you have to look at what Joe's wife and Bernie Sanders have in common, and maybe that will be your answer. Uh, let's see here. What do you think I, a 28-year-old virgin Swedish female, should do to change my life? I can't fall for anyone. I do think that you need to figure out what your standards are and accept nothing less. Rogan is addicted to drugs. Marijuana is not physically addictive. Oh, get lost. Like, I'm sorry. I'm blunted 420. It is completely addictive. I don't care whether it's physically addictive or not. The number of people I've known and know whose lives have been completely shredded by this addiction to this pathetic substance is legion. This is a demon, a smoky-legged demon that just swaths people off the planet like death with a smoky scythe, just sweeps people off the planet into irrelevance, into narcissism, into navel-gazing, into the most pathetic justifications for being addicted to this pathetic substance. I can't even tell you. I'm sorry to shock you, but it is pathetic. If you can't handle reality, if you can't handle yourself, if you've got a bad conscience... If you feel like you're wasting your life, God damn it, man up and deal with that anxiety. Stand up and handle it. Just dissolving year after year, decade after decade, 
and then calling it cool. I mean, just at least smokers don't say it's cool. They just say, hey, man, I'm an addict. It sucks, but I'm, you know, I can't, can't stop it. Just stop justifying it with some sort of Cheech and Chong alternative universe, open the doors of perception, Jim Morrison bullshit. You're addicted to self-medicating your misery and anxiety. And I sympathize with the misery and anxiety. I really do. But burying your true self under this really annoying leaf is really, really sad. And it is a pathetic way to spend your life. Well, you're not even spending your life. Ugh. Horrifying. Yeah, yeah, okay, there are some medicinal purposes. I get that, for sure. I'm not talking about that at all. And that's, it's like the abortion argument. Yeah, yeah, so some women who get brutally raped, and that's a different matter. But uh, in terms of the... Um, in terms of the, uh, the actual reasons why people get abortions, no. It's because they're irresponsible. The actual reason why 99% of people smoke weed, it's because, um, well, because they bought into a lifestyle thing. And also get, like, the whole thing, you're not addicted to weed fundamentally. You're addicted to enti your entire social circle. Because, you know, the problem with weed heads, the problem with stoners is they get embedded in this low-rent, pathetic underworld of people who are smoking their lives away. And the moment you try and get out, the moment you try and rise, they'll, I mean, there's so much rage under weed. I, I've seen this a million times, man. You confront people about weed and addiction and trauma and a useless, underspent life, they will explode in rage at you every single time. Right? They say boredom is rage spread thin. <laughs> weed is rage spread thick. And uh, it's really, really, really sad. It's really sad. Oh, you've never smoked weed. Do you can't get Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never took a black and decker drill through my foot. I'm still not going to put myself on a cross. Uh, any motivational advice for an unmotivated 20-year-old man? Yeah, you're going to fucking die. You are going to die. Death is coming step by step, day by day. One day further along the road, one day shorter of breath, one day along. You are going to die. And if that doesn't scare you into motivation then you got to just quit. <laughs> you just got to quit smoking weed. <laughs> All right. This stoner started his own cannabis company, now an employer with 53 essential workers. Great. So now you're spreading this brain-decaying weed to more and more people. I think that is a terrible way to spend your life. And you are having people not deal with their issues, and you are having people not focus on reality and you're having you're helping people waste their lives and i think it's a terrible thing to do with your life i really really think it's a terrible thing to do with your life uh what is your opinion of racism against white people that's oh, a huge issue in the world it's a huge issue in the world do you think 5g is dangerous to our health i don't know what are your thoughts on tim pool a uh, smart guy i don't believe he has a top head uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a smart guy, and uh, he's very well-spoken, and he's got some real courage. But, uh, you know, the reality is that he's, he's not working from first principles, right? So he just makes as many mistakes as, uh, you know, it's, it's like archery blindfolded, right? Occasionally, I'll hit the mark. But, uh, all right. Will you write a book soon? Uh, we'll work on it, but it's a little tough right now. I mean, I, I feel a, quite an obligation to work on coronavirus to work on all of this stuff and uh, all of that. How old are you? I'm 53 years old. Can you bring George Bruno onto the show for a relationship discussion? That is a very interesting idea. Anna Kasparian is a crazy bee. Not crazy. Not 
crazy, but uh, not uh, <laughs> as corrupt, just corrupt, right? I mean, to work on a to be an Armenian woman and to work on a show named after the genocide of the Armenians, I mean, how greedy and vain and corrupt did you actually have to be, right? Sugar, alcohol, and tobacco are the big killers. Killers. Cannabis is a medicine. You are mentally challenged. Um, 25-year business owner. F you. Yeah, yeah. You're still an addict. You're an addict. Like, I'm sorry. I lay it on the line. Yeah, sugar, alcohol, and tobacco are bad for you. So what? So what? Cannabis is medicine. Bullshit. It's not medicine. It's a way for you to escape the identity and reality of who you are. It's a mind-altering substance. Now, why do you want to alter something? Because you don't like the way that it is. Why do you rearrange the furniture in a room? Because you don't like the way that it is. Why do you paint a room? Because you don't like the color that it is. So why do you want a mind-altering substance, Jonathan? Because you don't like your mind in its natural state. Well, what the hell is wrong with your mind in, your natural, in its natural state? Well, you can do something about that. You can organize your mind. You can deal with past issues. You don't have to run into the fog of dissociation and addiction because you had a bad past or because maybe you're guilty about something, maybe you did something bad, maybe you did something wrong. But you need to alter your mind because you don't like it and you don't like yourself. And no amount of weed in the world is going to change that basic fact. In fact, it's just going to make it worse. All right. Um, honor thy mother and thy father. I honor my mother and my father. I've honored them both. Um, I think you honor people by telling them the truth. You dishonor people by lying to them. I have honored my mother and my father by telling them the truth. The fact that they weren't receptive to it is not on me. All right. Uh, advice doesn't have to be physically addictive to be addictive. Well, of course, right? I mean, look at pornography, right? And people are addicted to that. It doesn't alter your physiology in that way, right? Uh, I wasted my life smoking weed as an early teenager for about five years, gave it up at 17, and my productivity went through the roof, went from having nothing to a successful business within two years. So weed gives you a sense of achievement, but you haven't actually achieved anything. So anyway, just wanted to point it out. Have you got any videos on World War III? Yes, I have. Uh, his point about weed is it's not, not that it's bad. His point is that you were addicted to it. No, it's bad. It's bad. Sorry, it's bad. Um, don't, don't get drunk. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't smoke weed. It's not that it's bad in excess. It's just bad. Why do you need to smoke weed? Is it because you're bored, you're restless, you're unhappy, you're miserable, you can't stand your social circle sober? I don't know. But are painkillers bad? No, not if you're in pain and you use them responsibly. Please keep doing what you're doing. This helps a lot. Would you ever talk with Peter Hitchens? Uh, I would. I would, actually, yeah. Put it up. You and Sarah Gomer are fantastic. We need more. Yes. Why do you need to eat omelets? <laughs> They're pretty good. And, uh, all right. Uh, what's your opinion on Dr. James Flynn's 80-minute TED Talk? I have not watched it. But maybe, maybe, maybe I will. Your favorite weed, Steph? Ones I pull out of my garden so I can get at my vegetables. All right. No, it's not a waste of time on weed topics. It's really not. This is a big issue. Favorite band, Queen. I smoke pot. I smoke pot because atheists are a pain in the ass. Yeah, well, that's uh, right. You still have a comment caption on your screen. Yeah, I don't know how to turn that off. Sorry about that. Uh, I don't. I liked Dr. Paul Cottrell. Keep talking with him. I'm sure I will. Do I put cheese in or on your omelet? In. What am I, a barbarian? 
Uh, right. Have you spoken with Douglas Murray? I have. Uh, Douglas Murray and I did an interview together, and then Douglas Murray got scolded in a wine-aren't, old womanish way by Sam Harris for having a conversation with me. Oh, Sam Harris, professional Karen of the internet. All right. How can I be a better listener? Uh, stop thinking about yourself and really, really focus on the other person. Debate this with Dave Cullen. I don't know what that means. Any thoughts on Mormons? They're having lots of babies. Do you ever play Minecraft? Yes. In fact, I have videos on this, but mostly because of my daughter. I don't play Minecraft because I enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a Doom guy myself. Um, do you consume any alcohol? I will have an occasional light beer for sure. Uh, just because I don't drink pop, I like carbonated stuff, and it's not. And th there's nothing better than a light beer on a hot day, like it's, but just one. Uh, right. Uh, Sam Harris dislikes Donald Trump. Have you thought about why that is? Well, I don't know, but uh, most Jewish people are left wing, right? Most Jewish people vote Democrats. Most uh, of the Jewish congressmen and congresswomen are Democrats. So um, I assume it's simply to do with the left white right thing. Would you do ecstasy? You're missing out. I am doing ecstasy. I'm talking with you wonderful people at the moment. So, yes, I do do that. Weed is good for you. No, it's not. It's terrible. What would you do if your mom showed up at your door? Set fire to the door? Uh, pretend to be a houseplant? I'm not sure. Uh, right. Don't go to Glasgow. <laughs> I, uh, I was actually, it's funny because when my mom was, wanted to get out of England, we were either thinking of going to Canada or going to Scotland. And we ended up coming to Canada. I have no idea why. And um, I actually took an entrance exam to a school in Scotland. So, all right. Recreational use of drugs is the same as going boating. No, it's not. Boating is not a mind-altering substance. All right. Okay, I think we should stop here. But uh, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, have you played Half-Life 1? I did play Half-Life 1, actually. Yeah, it was a good, good game. How do you respond to the accusation that you're running a cult? Uh, my mom, yeah, my mom was a smoker of cigarettes, probably still is. Well, I mean, just ask people to define what a cult is and then ask how uh, Islam doesn't follow that, right? <laughs> Let's see. All right. Do you run into your haters in public? No, never have. Never once. I should enable super chat. Uh, though, really? <laughs> I've been demonetized, dude. Come on. It'd be ridiculous. I can't, uh, I can't enable super chat. I, I like super chat. I'd like to do super chat, but, uh, and I've even offered Google... Uh, YouTube, I guess, turn on Super Chat and I'll give all the uh, stuff to charity. I'll even show the receipt. But uh, no, I can't turn on Super Chat. They have been demonetized. So freedomain.com forward slash donate if you want to help out with that. All right. Have you played Black Mesa? No. Streamlabs. That's a good idea. Uh, thoughts on Nick Fuentes? Uh, well, I like his arguments. He's an important guy to bring up arguments about immigration and all of that stuff, but uh, there's stuff there that I just not, uh, not, uh, not, uh, not down with. All right. Steph is a hypocrite on lots of things. Comes with a philosophical moral superiority complex. <laughs> it's so boring. Oh, I don't know. So boring. Uh, try, try making an argument. These kinds of insults are just very dull and very obvious. And, uh, you know, you're a child in an adult's game. All right. Well, thanks everyone so much. I will uh, close this down. I'm sorry that we couldn't talk more with the Mike Cernovich, but I'm sure we will get round to it. And um, look at that. It's like almost two hours of broadcasting today. Oh, you guys are too much fun. All right. Time for me to spend some quality time with the old family. And uh, love you guys so much. Freedomain.com forward slash donate if you want to help out the show. But of course, please hold on to your money if you need it at all in these treacherous, 
treacherous times. And uh, have yourselves a great, great evening. Uh, I will talk to you soon.